0: Debbie Wiseman is a British composer with over 200 credits for television and film, including creating the original score for Emmy-nominated and Golden Globe award-winning miniseries, Wolf Hall. In addition to composing, Debbie conducts and presents for radio and television and is Classic FM's composer-in-residence. As a composer for the concert hall, Debbie has collaborated with the likes of Stephen Fry, Alan Titchmarsh, Vanessa Redgrave, and Joanna Lumley, to name but a few. Debbie has even provided music for two royal anniversaries, including the Queen's Diamond Jubilee. Debbie was honoured with an OBE for her services to music, and she continues to share her talents as one of the UK's most successful music ambassadors, and I would add, one of the greatest classical composers of our time. So I thought one of the best places that maybe we begin with this conversation is right at the very beginning, when you were six, seven years old, you went on holiday to Nuki with your family, and it was there that you first discovered the piano and the magic of the piano. Can you remember the thoughts that were going through your mind when you first connected with your first piano?
1: I think it was just, I saw this little old bashed up piano in the corner of the dining room in this hotel where we were staying. It was a family hotel and we were going on a little holiday and um, being fascinated by the black and white keys and um, the sound it made. And I would go up to the piano and just bash it with my fists and want to experiment with these sounds and it must have been very very annoying for everybody else in the hotel this little girl you know bashing at a piano but I was completely fascinated by it and um, I do remember feeling kind of drawn to it as if it was um, this special magical thing and they used the piano believe it or not as a, as a cutlery drawer in this hotel <laughs> and I it was an upright piano and when they opened the lid of the upright piano one of the waiters took out some spoons and they were just keeping spoons inside it. They weren't using it as a piano at all. It was really, thinking back now, quite sad, this old piano that wasn't at all loved or wasn't at all used as a piano for making music was just simply used to hold cutlery. You know, it was just kind of bizarre. But um, when I came home from that holiday, my mum insisted that... um, you know, we should maybe get a piano because I seem so interested in it. And my dad was saying, "Oh, you know, there isn't really anywhere to put it. We lived in a really small, little semi-detached house, and it was, it, you know, it was there was no space." And um, but in the end, uh, my mom said, "Oh, well, well, we could just hire one for a few weeks, and then, you know, if she doesn't like it, we can give it back." You know, because it was quite quite reasonably cheap to hire um, a little piano. Uh, just for a month or so so we did that and of course once I got the piano at home there was absolutely no going back I just absolutely loved it I became quite obsessed with it I wanted to learn I wanted to understand how it all worked how the notes kind of were woven together how you make tunes how how just just the making of music and I um, started to have piano lessons at school and just loved the whole the whole thing, and and really it became the centre of my life. Um, from about the age of ten or eleven, I absolutely knew that I wanted to be a musician. I didn't know at that stage that I wanted to be a composer, but I knew that I wanted to be a musician.
0: Were your parents entirely supportive through this development?
1: Absolutely, yeah. Um, once I had got the piano, and they'd got um, and my dad had got over the initial shock of having to. Um, have this reasonably large instrument in the house and and me making a lot of noise on it as well Um, once they could see that I was genuinely interested in it and genuinely wanted to learn and this was something that I felt passionate about they were very very supportive yes and I had you know and it's so much the case with learning music and learning anything actually it's all about the teaching And it's about the inspiration you get from particular teachers. And I was very fortunate that at school where I was learning, there was a great teacher who encouraged me. My mum had a friend who, who was a musical director and used to bring over books of like Beatles songs arranged for tiny hands. So that I wasn't only learning the repertoire that you learn when you're at school, little Haydn, Mozart, pianist, sonatinas. I was also learning how to play things like Yesterday and, you know, um, Eleanor Rigby and, and songs like that, which helped the enjoyment of it and the love of it. And so it wasn't just scales and arpeggios. It was also about being able to play songs and tunes that I'd heard on the radio and things like that. Um, and then, yes, and then I, I I managed to get a place at a Trinity College of Music, which is a Saturday morning course for young people you start you can start from the age of five or six and it goes up to 16 I think it is so when you're at school on a Saturday morning you can go to you know talented young people can go and learn things that you wouldn't be able to have time to learn in an hour lesson at school like harmony and singing choirs and playing in a chamber group and improvisation and all these wonderful different skills and I I went to Trinity College and while I was at school on Saturday mornings um, in their junior department, and that was just an absolute thrill. Every Saturday morning was, was brilliant. Fantastic teachers, brilliant piano teacher, brilliant teacher of improvisation and, and singing and counterpoint and harmony and learning everything about music making.
0: It reminds me of a quote by Pablo Picasso where he says that every child is an artist. The problem is to remain an artist once he grows up. I'm wondering if this, because it almost feels like a calling that you had. I mean, you found it so early on in life and it's resonated clearly so deeply with you. Do you think that this is unusual or do you think that we all have that thing that resonates with us? It's just about finding it.
1: It is about finding it you're right I think um, with musicians and from my experience of professional musicians and other composers that I know it does start very early on and most musicians find that they fall in love with it at a quite a young age and enjoy it and find it natural. I found, found the language of music, the way the little black dots are on the stave and the, the music language, very easy to understand. And I'm not that good at learning languages like French, German, Italian, whatever, you know, that wasn't easy for me but the language of music and the black dots on the page was, it was very natural, almost as if I had known it before when I was taught the notes on the stave and what they mean and how it translates onto the, the piano. It was completely natural. It wasn't as if it was anything difficult to learn. And I know that this isn't the case for a lot of people when they learn and you know, when, when, when they're learning music, some people find it very difficult to understand the language of it. So, that, I think, is something that just, yes, comes naturally for whatever reason. But then, of course, it's about encouragement and teaching and nurturing that love of it. Because if you don't have the right teachers and if you have a teacher that's, you know, uninspiring, um, it can put you off very easily from continuing along the path of music making. And I know a lot of people in their later years have said to me, oh, I wish I'd carried on playing the piano, you know, because I loved it. but. There were other things to do and I wasn't really encouraged and for whatever reason they stopped and they regret it later in life because having music in your life, if you can play an instrument or just enjoy it, you don't even have to be great at, you know, playing, but to have a love of music and to have it in your life is a real gift. And I think especially now with people uh, in lockdown and spending more time at home, music is a great comfort.
0: Why do you think that it is that music has this profound ability to affect us?
1: I think because, you know, it is the, the most uh, unique form of communication and everybody can communicate with music. It doesn't matter where you're from. It doesn't matter what language you speak. It's a totally universal language and it touches you immediately. It, it goes straight to the heart. And I often talk about this when I'm writing film music because... Music speaks to you straight to the heart of the emotion. So whatever's happening on screen when I'm writing a film score, there could be a very innocent um, scene that you're looking at visually. So just imagine it's, you know, it's a girl walking along a beautifully sunny lane. Now, without any music accompanying that scene, it's very innocent and charming and lovely. But were you to score that with very tension-filled, dramatic music, You would believe the music and think that something awful was going to happen to this lady walking down this very beautiful, nothing happening lane. You know, you would think something awful is going to happen to her. And that's because you believe the music, because the music goes straight to your heart and you believe what it's telling you. And it has great power over the image in a film or a television production. Similarly, when you hear a track on the radio or you're at home listening to a piece of music on your iPod or whatever, it immediately has an associate. It will immediately cause a reaction. You'll either love it, you'll hate it, you'll be half-hearted about it. You might like um, the, the the color of it, the sound of it. You might like the emotion of it, and it draws you in to its world, whether you like it or not. It is going to do that, and that's that's the power of music. It's an incredibly um, so. It's it's a, it's a real gift for people to have in their lives and. Um, I can't imagine a life without music I really can't
0: yeah I'm with you I think that no matter where we are in our lives no matter what stage in our lives that we're at there's always music to be there with us along that along our journey it's really such a beautiful form of connection brings people together and it, it almost connects us with ourselves more as well
1: yeah absolutely it does connect you with yourself and I think if you can play an instrument, you know I, I found during this whole uh, lockdown since March, being able to play, being able to share music. However, I've been able to do it online and, and through various um, projects that I've had going has kept me going. You know, it's kept because we, you know, I wasn't able to be in the studio as usual and see all my fellow musicians and collaborate with them in the normal way. And we had to find other ways of working together, and you know, musicians are pretty resourceful, actually. And they came up with all sorts of different ways of working together. And we we performed on Zoom together. I actually recorded a piece with a, a cellist recently, a, the wonderful Stephen Isalis. and we had um, a session together on Zoom and managed to have a rehearsal um, without actually being in the same room, which was which was great, you know. And you you can make things work. It takes a little bit more effort and a bit more ingenuity, but you absolutely can. And um, I I do think that if you have music in your lives in whatever form, whether you play or you just enjoy it, at this particular moment in time, it's it's more more of a comfort than ever before, you know, that you can lose yourself in music. You can forget all the troubles of the world and you can forget what's going on outside. And you can sit back and just lose yourself in your favourite piece of music.
0: What would you say is the skill set of a composer? If you write,
1: as I do, for films and I compose scores for films and television, then the skill sets are very different if you write for the concert hall. And say you're just writing for a piece for the last night at the proms, or you're writing a piece for a string quartet or whatever. Um, The skills are very different. Now, you might think that's surprising because, you know, a composer writes music. So really what you need to have. Primarily, and this actually applies to all composerly disciplines, you need to have a great understanding of an orchestra, the different instruments of an orchestra, whether you're writing for a flute or a clarinet or bassoon or percussion or string instruments, you need to understand how these instruments work. And you need to have an understanding of harmony, you know, how music fits together. Um, Now, that comes from years and years of training. So that's not something you can pick up overnight. You know, I've been studying this since I was eight and I'm still learning and I learn all the time every day. And I still learn lots of stuff that I still don't don't know. So you learn every single day. Um, And really, a lifetime isn't long enough to learn a musical instrument or learn how to be a great composer, you know, but you you have to do the best with the time that you have. So I, I feel that um, those basic skills apply to every everybody that's in music making and, and writes music. But the, the differences come when you work in the different disciplines. So for film and TV, you have to work very fast. There are deadlines. You have to be really good at delivering music to order, to a deadline. Somebody gives you a brief or you watch a film or you see a, 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 a a scene and you need to immediately be able to come up with music that's going to suit that um, and do it very quickly and then deliver it very quickly with an orchestra or a group of musicians. However, the, the music is needed to be delivered. All happens very quickly, sometimes in three or four weeks. However, with a, with a piece, say I was commissioned to write a piece for um, a string quartet, they would probably give me six months notice, maybe a year, um, I was commissioned recently to write a piece for the City of Birmingham Symphony Orchestra, which is going to be premiered in February next year. And they wanted a new kind of carnival of the animals. So I was allowed to think of my favorites or endangered animals. So I chose like Panda and and um, Think Up Music for these particular animals. And I think I, I was given probably Eight months to do this, which is unheard of in a film or a television production to have so much time. So you have much more time to um, write, develop ideas, change things. Whereas in film and TV, it's it's really your generally your first or second idea. And those first and second ideas have to be good and they have to be right. And there's not a lot of time for um, change and you know, deliberating over stuff. You have to deliver quickly and efficiently. And that's the main difference.
0: What is that developmental process like?
1: Well, with a film, um, the the great thing about having a film is that you have the inspiration in front of you on screen. So usually I've read a script and then I go and see it on screen. Often it changes a lot, actually, from the script to screen. And um, the ideas that I've had, maybe it's a, it's a, Script stage have changed by the time I see it on screen. But then that is the inspiration. And I will watch the film over and over again. I'll look at the actors and their performances. I'll look at the drama, the tension, where the peaks and lows are in the film, where the music can help, where it needs to step back, where it needs to be center stage and, and do its job. And there's all there's a whole lot of different processes that you go through in di- In deciding, but it's all with the director. And I work closely in collaboration with the director and the whole team working on the film to make sure that I understand from them what their vision is, because that's incredibly important. I need to be completely in sync with them. I need to understand what they're trying to achieve because without that understanding, I can't even begin to start the score. Um, I've recently finished work on a a film about Roald Dahl called To Olivia. And it stars Hugh Bonneville as Roald Dahl and Keely Hawes plays Patricia Neal. And it's a beautiful film um, about their relationship. And there was a great tragedy in their life. And I've worked with the director, John Hay, before. And we just started talking about the ideas for the characters and the themes for the characters. And I sat down at the piano and wrote three or four different themes and none of them were working initially. Absolutely none of them. And I knew it. And I, I said to John, Oh, you know, we, we had a session over at my house. This was before the lockdown started. And he came over and we were, you know, sitting at the piano. And I knew it wasn't working. And then he was very patient with me. He went away and I, 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 I had another go. And then he sent me a couple of emails with some thoughts. And one evening I just sat down at the piano and I came up with the main Olivia theme, which was the key to everything. I knew I had to get that theme right. And it was quite late at night. And I thought, I've got to phone him and I've got to call him and, and play it to him just to see. And it was quite late. So I called him up probably you know, way past his bedtime and said, can you have a listen to this? I think this could be it. And I played it to him at the piano. And he just was so enthusiastic about it. And I knew at that point that I had something I could work with. He liked the theme. I, I knew it was right for the character and I could develop it. But it took a long time to get there. And there was no reason, really, other than you just have to keep at it until something clicks. And I I try not to analyze it too much because you don't want to sort of whatever it is that makes you write the music or that allows you to write it. You don't want to sort of think about it too much. It is a natural process. But I knew that night that I had that theme and it was a great relief. I think it was great relief to John as well that I had got the theme. But it, it took a while. You know, it doesn't always happen overnight.
0: When you say that you came up with it, it sounds almost a smooth and easy process, which I completely understand it. I don't think it would be. But do you think the, the thoughts of the music, like how how do you come up with it? What does that actually mean when you come up with it?
1: It's really improvisation. You know, I sit at the piano and I improvise and I try things out and I play things over and over again until something feels right. Now, I usually know when it's right. You know, something clicks in my brain that says, that's something I haven't done before. That feels right. It's an original chord change or harmony or the melody works. I like the way that the melodies leaping on a particular note or moving from one note to another. There's a whole series of thought processes that go through my mind as I'm writing. And I think, yeah, that sounds good. Or no, that's too cliched or sounds like something else. Or, you know, there are, in the end, there are only 12 notes on a, on a scale, you know, in a, and you have to work out how to organize those notes to make something original.
0: How has your work as a composer influenced you as Debbie Wiseman as a person? How do you feel that it's influenced you
1: well it's it, it it's- it sort of completely embodies everything really um My husband works with me as it happens. He does my technical engineering and music copying, so he's very much involved in the whole process as well. Um, I think which is great and really helpful, so he really understands and it is an all- consuming job you know when I'm writing, I'm completely involved with what I'm doing um I like I love the process of sitting at the piano and just writing you know I'm happiest really when I'm at the piano and I have a project to write for It's not always plain sailing as I just said you know now with that with that movie, it doesn't always come immediately, but the process of trying to find a new melody, trying to find something that's original and uh, works for the project is completely, for me, just the most wonderful job in the world. You know, I feel so lucky that I can have these lovely projects to write music for and that people want to collaborate because I like the collaboration part of it. I like being able to work with the director and being able to phone somebody up and say, "What do you think?" You know, because otherwise, composing can be quite a lonely job. Uh, it's just you and your manuscript paper and your key, your piano or keyboard or guitar or whatever you write with. But the real the real pleasure comes from when you collaborate and you're working with somebody else, and you hear musicians play your music for the first time, and you collaborate with them, and then they breathe life into the score and they perform it, and suddenly it moves from being just little black dots on a manuscript page. To music, and it's something that is alive and you know it's there for people to hear and enjoy and experience and and that whole process of making music is a is you know forever exciting. you know I love the moment where I go into the studio and hear the musicians play for the first time you know and it's as I say with the film and TV it's so quick. I could have written it three weeks before, and then three weeks later, I'm in Abbey Road Studios or somewhere fabulous recording with the best musicians in town who sight read the music first time and play it back to you and it's such a thrill you know there they are playing the music that only three weeks ago was just a scribble on a page
0: oh, It's so fascinating and i i'm thinking about my favorite album my personal favorite album that you've created which is i have it here actually the musical zodiac this is my personal favorite. I was completely wowed by how you incorporate the personality of each zodiac sign. And I mean, my I'm on the cusp of Libra and Scorpio. So for me, I get double bill. I start with Libra and go all the way into Scorpio. <laughs> Why was this something that you wanted to create? What was it about the, the zodiac and and the signs that interested you
1: well that was a particularly interesting project because um I was appointed classic Fm's composer in residence five years ago now and one of the um one of the jobs one of my composerly jobs was to write an album for them and we were trying to think of what we could um what we could do because um, it was going to be my first album. And and I wanted something that would be really, really inspiring. And I didn't have a film or a TV show to draw inspiration from. You know, this was something that had to stand alone as a piece of music. Um, But I needed pictures. And that was the key to it because I'm so used to writing with pictures and having that inspiration of a story and dialogue and narration or, or, you know, a a visual kind of stimulus. I needed that. And uh, it was actually my cellist friend, Justin Pearson, who said to me, have you ever thought about, you know, doing something to do with the the, the Zodiac? Because there's lovely stories about, about the signs of the Zodiac. And you could think about Greek mythology and, you know, they're quite inspiring. And he's Gemini and um, was telling me about his his story. And I thought when I heard that, it must've been done before because it sounded so obvious. And we did some Googling (laughs) and realized that actually it hadn't been done before, not in a classical way. There'd been a jazz album of the Zodiac signs, but nobody had actually done a full orchestral album with music inspired by the 12 signs of the Zodiac. And so I was so surprised and shocked that it hadn't been done before. I went to Classic FM and said, what do you think? And they just loved the idea. And so we we went with it. We went with the idea. And, um, I got in touch with Jonathan Kainer, who was the, um, he was, he was doing the horoscopes on the Daily Mail at the time. And he came on board and helped me with some of the stories. He sadly passed away actually, um, before the album was released, which was really sad. But he, he was involved with the, um, I suppose the inspiration for each, each sign he, he gave me little pieces of nuggets of information about each of the signs which helped me hugely in writing the music and bringing those signs to life and the stories behind them is what inspired the music i couldn't just have a blank piece of manuscript paper every every note had to tell a story and um yeah it was it was just it was the it was a really really enjoyable project and the next one after that the second album was um, The Glorious Garden with Alan Titchmarsh, which was the second album I did for Classic FM. And that also, Alan then wrote me stories about his favourite plants and flowers, and that inspired the music. So it's kind of the same thing, to have something that allows me to get inside the character of whatever it is that I've got to write about, and then the music will flow
0: you have such a unique lifestyle i find like as you said you completely embody your work i would like to understand what you think it means to be an artist
1: i suppose a creative a creative person somebody who creates something from nothing like drawing a picture creating a piece of music coming up with something writing a script a poem a book a novel uh, a Writing a character, the character for story, anything where you're creating something from nothing. So you have to have an original idea, and that original idea can be um, something very small, which then just blossoms and grows into something big. And I think that's what it means to be creative—to come up with something that doesn't that hasn't been done before. You know, it, which is the hardest thing to do, of course, to come up. I mean, and I struggle every day when I'm writing to make sure that what I'm writing is um, original, you know, and doesn't sound, I mean, you can, obviously you have influences and you, you, you can be influenced by other music, by other artists, by other great writers or poets or whatever. But at the end of the day, you have to create your own voice. And that's important. And I like writing melodic music. So I tend to steer towards that. And I start, generally start with a melody um, and from that everything else flows. So once I've got a good melody, a hook, a tune, then the harmony and the the, the whole score then tends to develop. So I start with a melody, but other people don't. You know, other people, other composers start with um, a couple of different chords that they might like the sound of together or, or an interval from one note to another. So there are various different ways of doing it and none of them are right or wrong. It's just a particular way of working that you develop that has to be your own. And I think every um, creative person, whether they are an artist or a poet or a writer, finds a way of working that's unique to them, but they feel comfortable. They can create whatever it is they need to create in an environment that is often very demanding. And, you know, when you have, have to deliver on time, you don't worry about being an artist You just worry about, can I get this done by Friday, (laughs) you know, or uh, otherwise everybody's going to be very cross, you know.
0: Yeah, that's very true. Is there something that you've learned in your career as a composer that wasn't taught to you in school?
1: I learned the basic skills at music college, which was how to write for the instruments, how to orchestrate, how to... um, Prepare a score for, for an orchestra for musicians. How to deliver music to to a musician so that they will play it well. You put in phrasing, dynamics, all that stuff. How to write for each instrument. Every instrument has its own particular color—a flute, or a trumpet, or a double bass. You need to understand the instruments of the orchestra so that you can write for them. You know, it, it's 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 a language, um, and that's what I learned at music college with my brilliant composition teacher buxton Orr, but the art of composition can't really be taught in the same way as you can't really teach anyone to be a great writer or a great poet it has to be something that's that's there in you that can be nurtured and developed so i was never really taught to compose that's something that i think um was something that came naturally but i had to learn the skills around that you know had i not gone to Guildhall and studied with buxton i wouldn't know how to write for an orchestra i just wouldn't i wouldn't have those skills so all the training and the years and years of practice and development has to you have to put in the hard work there's no way around it and music is something you have to do every day i i i i was told by my composition teacher you know write something every day even if it's rubbish and you throw it out afterwards, write something every day because it keeps your compositional juices flowing and you never run out of ideas. And that was a fabulous thing to, 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 to say to a composer, especially working in film or the media where you have to deliver quickly and on time. Um, you can't be short of ideas. You can never have composers block because people will be very, very upset if you don't deliver. So. That's something that I learned. And also everything else, the idea of working collaboration with directors, I've learned on the job. I've learned through doing it, just through work. I, I wasn't t- taught how to write for picture, how to fit music to picture, how to underscore a dialogue scene, how to know where the music should crescendo and where you should pull back, how to start a music cue generally so it, it enters without you really noticing it and then develops through the scene. All this I learned through doing the job. And a couple of directors when I was starting out just took a chance on me. You know, they were very brave, actually, because, you know, I could have, um, I could have really mucked it up because they didn't know at that stage how inexperienced I was because I was saying, yeah, of course I can do this like you do when you're young. You know, you've got these, this great sort of energy and, and skill and think you can do everything, but of course you can't. But that that feeling that you can achieve it helps you get through those first couple of jobs, which it did. And I'm very grateful for the directors that did take a chance on me. Now, of course, there are courses where you can study music composition for the screen. And there's one at Guildhall. There's one at the Royal College of Music. There's one at Trinity College of Music, Goldsmiths College, um, the National Film and Television School, They all have fantastic courses where composers can go and study the craft, the art of writing music to picture. That didn't exist when I was starting out. So now you can actually go and study and learn about it. Um, So by the time you get to do your first film or your first documentary or TV project, hopefully you go in with a bit more knowledge than I had when I was starting out, because you've actually done it. You know, you've really done it. Whereas I started from a position of zero and had to slowly learn through just the process of working on more and more projects.
0: You're, you're so diverse in your, in your work, from the Mythos Suite, and then you have your the Wolf Hall. Is there anything that you haven't scored yet that you would like to, or is there anything that you haven't yet experienced that you would really love to achieve?
1: Well... There's always something else that you want to do with music. You know, that's the wonderful thing about it. It's such um, a learning curve from day one. So there's never a feeling that I think, oh, I've done this and I've done it all or absolutely not. Um, There are so many things that I would still love to do. You know, so many different combinations of instruments I'd like to write for. Um, so many people I'd like to write for, so many wonderful musicians that I haven't yet written a solo for, or haven't yet singers that I haven't yet written for, hundreds of of things, far too many to mention. But really, the only thing I want to carry on doing is is to carry on writing music, because that's what I love doing. I love coming up with new music, new themes, new new scores for productions. And as long as I can keep doing that, then I'm, I'm very happy. I I I think the projects themselves. Um, I suppose you you go with the flow a little bit in this business. You know you can't think, oh, I'd love to do that because that may never arise. You know you sort of have to go with the flow, and people come to you in in most cases, and and once you've established a little bit of a, a reputation, people come to you and say would you like to do this? Would you like to do that? And most of the time um, I'm thrilled to do it. I'm thrilled that people are asking and I want to do it and want to keep working. And I think that's the thing. If you, most musicians just want to keep playing, want to keep making music. That's why during lockdown it was so difficult for them because their whole life is about performing, playing, making music together. And uh, it was all suddenly taken away from them very quickly Overnight almost. There were no concerts, no, no, no. You know, the cinemas were, you know, shut. So you couldn't even kind of go and listen to or watch a great film. And no, you couldn't go to a concert. All the venues were closed. And so that was particularly devastating to musicians. And I think um, as long as you can keep making music, keep enjoying it, keep loving what you're doing and being creative and coming up with lots of ideas, then, um, that's all you can hope for as a musician, really. And, and that's what I hope to continue to do.
0: Long may you continue to do what makes you happy, because you clearly are radiating. It just feels that you have found, I mean, you had the insight so young, and you just confidently stayed to, true to what you believe was right for you. And I Particularly admire that because there's many reasons why we might go off course or do something that we that might not might please other people but not really truly please ourselves. And it feels that you have found that and you found it all along.
1: I think yeah, I think most professional musicians will tell you that they yeah, they knew early on that they wanted to do that. Um some come to it later. I know my, the guitarist that I work with, um, Mitch Dalton, he's a great guitarist. And he, he started off with a career as a doctor. He was, you know, was going to be a doctor and then realized after a couple of years that he didn't really want to be a doctor. It didn't suit him and went off quite late to become a guitarist and is now one of the best professional guitarists in the business. He's absolutely brilliant. So it doesn't necessarily mean that you know from the age of five that you're going to be a musician, but, but a lot do. And I think if you do have an idea of what you want to do, um, of course, it makes it makes it makes your path towards it clearer. Um, I was never in any doubt that I wanted to be a musician. I didn't know immediately that I wanted to be a composer until I found that I sort of enjoyed making up my own tunes rather than playing everybody else's, you know, the repertoire and stuff. I quite like making up my own tunes. But that happened later. But I think it's very helpful if you know what you love and go for it or find something that you love and explore it. It may be that something takes you away from it and you decide to go in a different direction. And it doesn't always, it's not necessarily a very clear path. Um, but if you, if you have a, a passion for something, then it's wonderful to be able to explore it. It doesn't necessarily mean, certainly with music, that you'll end up being a professional musician. But if you're passionate about music, you can still have it in your life and love it. And it's a great gift to have in in your life.
0: As uh, the scholar Joseph Campbell says, he was the author of uh, The Hero's Journey. He says, it's all about following your bliss. Follow your bliss and things will open and happen for you.
1: Yeah, I think so. Following something that you love, because then it doesn't feel like work, does it? If you're enjoying doing something um, and it's not a kind of daily grind, then you have more energy to achieve and you have more will to achieve because you know that there's a passion for it. And you know that you're you're doing something that you really feel you want to do rather than something that is just imposed on you to do and I think that's it that's of course very very important
0: well said Debbie Wiseman I'm going to ask my final question which I have been asking to all of the guests on the slow cooked podcast which is if you could step inside the mind of another artist for a day who would it be and what would you specifically like to explore whilst you were there
1: Hmm, that's a good question. Um, I'd probably step inside Mozart's um, mind and just ask him how on earth, at such a young age, he wrote the most spectacular music and sort of almost beyond belief the music that he wrote. You cannot believe when you, the body of, of work that he achieved at such a young age. It's, it's it's almost unfathomable that anybody could do that. And the genius of that, that mind would be um, a great place to be, wouldn't it?
0: I agree. I would ha- happily be a fly on the wall just observing. It just feels like he was in flow, like he was channeling something almost.
1: Yeah. And of course, he died so young, Mozart, it was so tragic. So um, it makes it even more unfathomable that he created such a body of work in such a short space of time. Um, and was a complete genius. There is no probably no greater um no greater composer in my in my in my mind. Mozart, Bach, you know, they, these are geniuses, so they're gods, you know. <laughs> so so yes, it would be very nice to step inside their mind, but it, it it's um yeah it would, it would probably, I'd probably need to be in there for quite a while to work out what on earth was going on there. I don't think it would be a short trip. I think I'd need to stay in there for a while, probably a good few years, I think, to work out what on earth is going on.
0: Oh, that's a wonderful answer. Debbie Wiseman, it's been so wonderful to speak with you. I'm so glad that we were able to have this conversation and to hear your inner processes and thought processes. Thank you very much.
1: Oh, it's a pleasure. Thank you so much. It's great to join you.
0: Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode with Debbie Wiseman. We'd love to hear from you. I'd love to hear what were your takeaways from this episode and from our other episodes? And who is inspiring you? Which artists are opening your mind and bringing new ideas to you? love to hear from you get in touch at slowcooked underscore on instagram and twitter and we'll be sharing on our social media pages what you have to say this podcast is brought to you by Slowcooked productions thanks to kleber almeida for the poster artwork and to wild camp with a k for creating our original soundtrack until next week stay inspired